Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Julia Spare's Moving Markets podcast. It's Thursday, the 14th of September, and my name is Helen Freer. So we got US CPI data yesterday and the European Central Bank are meeting today. What should we expect to come out of this meeting? On today's show, I'll be talking about all of this and more market news with my colleague, John T. Warris. Mathieu Rashta also joins us this morning and I'm going to be speaking to him about equity markets. And a day earlier than usual, Tim Gagey is also on today's show. And as always, he'll be sharing his latest thoughts on currencies and metals. But let's start with the latest market news. Good morning, John T. Good morning, Helen. And let's start with the biggest news of the week. Uh, Yesterday, we saw US CPI data for August. In July, inflation was at 3.2%. What can you tell us about yesterday's print? Yes, well, yesterday, US CPI rose 3.7% year on year in August, which was marginally higher than the expectations of 3.6%. The main driver here were petrol prices, which rose more than 10% month on month. And core CPI, which excludes food and energy costs, also advanced 0.3% from July, marking the first acceleration in six months, with core CPI up 4.3% year on year. Now, this was in line with estimates and is the smallest advance in nearly two years, but this figure obviously remains clearly above the Fed's goal of 2%. Now, Fed officials often focus more closely on core CPI as it tends to provide a better indication of where inflation is heading over the longer term. Data also showed that the jump in headline inflation hit workers' wages in the US, with the real average hourly earnings falling by half a percent for the month. In any case, traders took the CPI numbers in their stride, and while it's perhaps no cause for celebration, traders also aren't perceiving this as bad news as such. Uh, Its impact will likely be something that won't change the Fed's basic outlook and will likely reinforce the case for yet another pause at the next FOMC meeting, which is scheduled for next week. Okay, so slightly hotter than expected CPI, but not really moving the needle too much. So it's probably fair to say that the latest CPI print won't be enough to allow the Fed to call an end to its tightening cycle just yet. How did markets react to the news? Well, equity markets, bond markets and the US dollar saw rather muted moves after the report came out, given that there was no real material surprise to the upside or the downside. The S&P 500 index nudged higher 0.1% and the Nasdaq gained 0.4% with both indices closing near their 50-day moving averages. Uh, Mega cap and big tech stocks largely outperformed on the day, but there were a few bucks to the trend. We saw Apple shares lose some ground on news that China flagged security issues with its iPhones, and American Airlines also led losses across the aviation industry following a jump in jet fuel prices. And in the most anticipated IPO of the year, chip designer Arm Holdings secured a $54.5 billion valuation yesterday, seven years after its owner SoftBank bought the company for $32 billion. Arm priced its IPO at $51 a share, which is at the top of its indicated range, raising $4.87 billion for SoftBank. And what about in fixed income? Well, US Treasuries were firmer and we saw some curb steepening. Following the inflation data release, we saw the yield on the two-year Treasury drop below the 5% threshold, and it's now trading at 496, while the yield on the 10-year is now also a little lower at 422 when I checked a moment ago. As I mentioned, the US dollar was broadly unchanged against its major peers, but we have Tim a little later on the show, who I'm sure will provide some more colour on the greenback. Let's talk about yesterday's market action in Europe now, where stocks didn't have such a good day, did they? That's right. Stocks across Europe closed lower in yesterday's choppy trading session. The FTSE 100 closed marginally lower as energy stocks fell and oil giant BP stocks sold off after its CEO resigned. 
Um, after less than four years in top job at BP, a probe revealed that he had undisclosed relationships with colleagues before being appointed CEO, which prompted his departure. And the German DAX also saw a sell-off in healthcare stocks in particular on heightened concerns that the ECB may be about to raise interest rates at its board meeting today. And staying in Europe, European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen delivered her State of the Union address yesterday at the European Parliament in Strasbourg. Do you have a few details for us here? Yes, that's right. In her speech to EU ambassadors, Ursula von der Leyen didn't give away too many clues on the foreign policy front as such. Uh, The most important takeaway was probably the launch of an anti-subsidy probe into Chinese electric vehicles. She also said that the EU will need to expand its borders to acknowledge the new geopolitical realities, but went on to mention that Ukraine will have to do more before being able to join the bloc. She largely presented herself as a champion of European business, uh, defending her track record. And this comes ahead of the European Parliament elections, which will take place next summer, which she is widely expected to seek a second term. Okay, and what can we expect for the day ahead? I know we have the ECB meeting later on. That's right. Uh, Arguably this week's second most important economic event after US CPI, as you rightly mentioned. Today, it's the ECB's turn to announce its latest rate decision. Yesterday, there were reports that the ECB expects inflation in the block to remain above 3% next year, which obviously strengthens the case for a rate hike this afternoon. This would likely be positive for the euro. Traders were pricing in a 70% chance that the ECB will raise its deposit rate in what would be the 10th time in a row this afternoon. So let's see. In terms of data prints, later today we can also expect US retail sales for August and US business inventories data for July. Uh, Earnings throughout today include those from the UK's Spire Healthcare and e-commerce retailer THG. And a quick look at the futures board currently shows US equities set for a positive open later today. And that's it from me. Excellent. Thanks very much, John T, for the roundup this morning. Now, Mathieu, great to have you on the show this morning as well. Good morning, firstly. Good morning, Helen. Thanks for having me. We're talking about equities this morning. So since the lows we saw in equity markets in October last year, European equities have really powered ahead. And they actually outperformed US equities by around 15% over the eight months after the trough in October. But the relative outperformance basically peaked in March. And by the end of August, it had fully reversed. What do you think were the main reasons for this? So the reasons have been twofold. First, uh, if you look at economic momentum, so economic momentum has been remarkably resilient in the US, while if you look in Europe, it is coming in weaker than expected, also partially driven by the ongoing weakness that we are seeing in the Chinese economy. The second reason has to do with the differences in index composition. So if you look at the US, uh, in the US, equities are much more exposed to the so-called AI winners, so the winners of the um, rise of generative artificial intelligence, which were at the forefront of the equity rally since the start of the year. So both of those factors have translated into much stronger earnings revisions for US equities compared to their European peers. Are you sticking to your preference for US over European equities then? Yes. So overall, you know, going forward, we continue to stick to our preference for quality growth stocks mixed with some defensives, which tend to do quite well in the late stage of the economic cycle. And the U.S. continues to be overexposed to both of those style factors. But, you know, we always receive some pushbacks when it comes to valuations. And yes, valuations do look more attractive in Europe than in the U.S., even on a sector-adjusted basis. 
but this has been the case already for quite some time, even years. And the thing is that, you know, valuations are hardly the main driver for equity performance over the next six to 12 months, unless long-term yields rise substantially from current levels, which is not our base case. So in the short term, it's usually earnings momentum, which is clearly in favor for US equities. So the bottom line is that we continue to prefer US over European equities with a sector preference for IT, communication, and healthcare. Okay, thanks very much, Mathieu. Good to get an update on this from you this morning. And now, Tim, welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning, Helen. We've mentioned it already. It's ECB Day today and Fed Day next week. I know it's usually a quiet time in FX when we approach these meetings. How has this week been? It has been uh, relatively quiet overall. I had a little bit of excitement yesterday after the uh, after the US data, but well, I mean, the market is still very undecided as usual and very data sensitive. Um, you saw the UK data, for example, had a bit of a hit on the pound. Um, it still feels to me like we haven't really broken any technical levels. We haven't really ever seen anything that new. And I think the longer that we can stay at least stable, the more chance we have of a recovery from here. But yes, it is on the quiet side. And honestly, for us, it's quite hard to know what to propose to people who have probably already taken positions already that might make sense here. The major event of today, obviously, is the ECB. There is right now, as we heard, a 65 or 66% chance of a rate hike, which is actually unusually uncertain and suggests that whatever does happen is not entirely in the price of the euro. I would lean towards a hike, just my personal view, and it is all guesswork, really. And it also might be what I would like to see in terms of uh, the next move I'd like to happen in the market. Uh, but it should stay quiet this morning, indeed, until we get to hear from Lagarde and her friends. And what did you make of the US CPI figures? Do you think these mean anything new for the Fed? No, not really. I think for me, it was a bit of a non-event. I think everyone was perhaps hoping for a lower number. And then we had the initial reaction of a stronger dollar, but it really didn't see through. And we found ourselves right back to where we were before. And I really just keep seeing as excessive here, this dollar strength. Uh, I'm pretty skeptical about the idea that we're going to see the dollar charging forwards from here and going back to, I don't know, early this year or last year's levels. I don't see the Fed is doing anything, not only next week, but actually further out. I honestly think that they're done. Um, and interestingly, the US 10-year really does not like being up at those highs, that 435, 436 level. Failed twice, and I'd rather expect it eventually to head back towards four. Again, my own view only at some point, uh, although we would need data to calm down a bit for that to happen. The market essentially is incapable of holding more than one thought in its head. And while I sympathize with that, um, if the narrative around the dollar and yields shifts even a little bit, we can easily see a few percent lower in the greenback very quickly. Are you seeing any good news anywhere other than the US? Well, Australian employment data this morning uh, was actually pretty encouraging. It's quite a bit um, better than, than the, the forecast and uh, unexpectedly solid. However, UK data, on the other hand, is rather disappointing. Uh, GDP yesterday was really quite poor and a shame because actually of late, despite the very negative UK media, things seemed a little bit more encouraging in the UK. Um, but it is really all about the US at the moment. So I'm interested to see if the ECB can maybe change the agenda a bit. Uh, and it honestly, it feels a bit like not everyone's back in the market yet. Still feels like a summer market. I know that's ridiculous in mid-September, but I do believe that this round of central bank meetings, which starts today, of course, with the ECB, but carries through next week with the Fed, Bank of England, Norgas Bank, even the Swiss uh, National Bank, can be the catalyst for the market to wake up 
and uh, get moving, which would be good news, at least for us. So what opportunities are you seeing at the moment then? So in the light of the Aussie data this morning, um, I think that's a nice exposure to hold. I've liked Australian dollar, unfortunately, from higher levels. But uh, if you don't already have exposure, I think from here, we'll eventually get back to 0.70. That's a big move and that will take some time. But I think that's where we're headed. So uh, I'd be really happy to hold some Aussie exposure. And I think with, with employment data like that, it's hard to imagine them needing to do anything too drastic rate wise. Um, otherwise, look, uh, I'm still banging the drum furiously on long sterling against Swiss francs. Uh, yesterday, we had this very poor UK GDP data. Uh, sterling against Swiss francs was trading at about 111.50 before. We dipped down and this morning, we're once again at 111.50. And to remind everyone, that's with a 4% positive carry. So you're paid 4% to hold the position and the volatility is just non-existent. Uh, and usually those two things do not go together. Um, I sort of having a closer look at metals. I think platinum down here is a good opportunity, although um, I'm, I'm a little cautious as long as it's around 900. But I, th I think I like platinum still. Gold, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, for more is more of a sell on rallies for me, um, and I would I think it's too early to go in. But I think yeah, Aussie dollar, sterling Swiss is absolutely still my favourite, and an exposure to platinum if you don't already have one would be the three things I would see as most interesting right now. Great. Thanks very much, Tim. Interesting to get your thoughts, as always. Thank you very much, Helen, for listening. And I uh, wish you all an excellent day. So that is all for today. Thanks very much to today's guests. And thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe. And please also leave us a review on whichever platform you like to listen on. We would love to hear your feedback. And do join us again tomorrow when I'll be speaking to more of our colleagues about what is moving markets. Until then, have a great day, everyone. And bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Für unsere deutschsprachigen Zuhörer. We would also like to make you aware of Marktanalysen und Gespräche, a monthly podcast in German, where Julius Baer experts discuss some of the latest market developments. We share our key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape in German. Search for Marktanalysen und Gespräche on your favorite podcast player.